You're listening to The Promised One, a sermon series about tracing the hope of God through the history of His people. For more information about First Baptist Starville, please visit www.fbcstarville.com. Would you mind taking your Bibles, please, and joining me in the book of Judges? The book of Judges, Judges chapter 13. And this is the last night of Advent. And Advent, of course, means arrival, and this season has been awaiting the arrival of Christmas. And now we're here, celebrating the fact that Christmas is upon us. Tomorrow we celebrate the birth of King Jesus, who was, as the song tells us, Lord at His birth. Tomorrow we celebrate our salvation as the weary world rejoices. Tomorrow is Christmas. And the prophecy concerning the sun says the people who walked in darkness. That's the reason you turned over to Judges. By the way, that's one of the reasons I think that I brought this sermon to you tonight, or excuse me, this homily. What's the difference in a homily and a sermon? It's just a matter of length. That's it. All right. I told my wife that they gave me 20 minutes. She laughed at me. But anyway, that's another story for another day. This is a season of of, uh, darkness where we're awaiting the people who walked in darkness, they are going to see a great light. Upon them, the Bible says, a light has shone. And as He comes, He comes as the Son of righteousness, rising with healing in His wings. Now, it's become commonplace for us to use phrases like uh, dark winter in reference to the, uh, the fear that all of that has gripped us all, at least the, uh, well, all of us have either felt the sting or the twinge of the pandemic. Last year, we didn't get to have this type of moment. I'm so grateful that we get to have this type of moment here. And we're all tired of hearing about it. I don't want us to waste a crisis. Instead, we want to turn our hearts to whom our help comes from. And be like the people of Issachar those who know the times and who know what to do. And here's my hope. I hope that these moments have not snuffed out the flame of hope that's in you. Instead, what I hope is I hope that these moments have served to stoke the fire of hope inside of you. Because we need hope more than ever. These times have forced us either towards despair or towards hope. And no doubt you've felt probably both of those extremes. Maybe even tonight some of you are on the edge of one of them. You're either full of hope or you're full of despair. But here's what I've noticed as a father of young children, and just in a moment we're going to give them hot candles and let them see what happens. I understand those things, but I've noticed in my home those who seem untouched by all that's going around, It's my children. We need a little bit of their Teflon, I believe. Nothing seems to stick with them the way that it sticks with me. And as I'm thinking about those things, I'm reminded of the dedication page of one of my favorite books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Mr. Lewis dedicates to his godchild, Lucy. Listen to what he writes. To Lucy Barfield, my dear Lucy, 
I wrote this story for you, but when I began it, I had not realized that girls grow quicker than books. As a result, you are already too old for fairy tales. By the time it is printed and bound, you will be older still. But someday, you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. You can then take it down from the upper shelf, dust it, and tell me what you think of it. I shall probably be too deaf to hear, too old to understand a word you say, but I shall still be your affectionate godfather, C.S. Lewis. Some of us here this Christmas Eve need to be old enough to start believing in fairy tales again, because it's through the fairy tales that we learn hope. And the nagging question behind every warm-hearted happily ever after is this. Where on earth did you get the idea that things should be happily ever after? The answer to that question is the reason that we're here tonight. We are here tonight to look into the pages of Scripture to see the grand design of God. And when we do, we will see that He has a plan that involves us, but doesn't depend upon us. We will see He loves us and desires us. And our response after realizing those facts is to trust Him. You see, we've learned through our series, Central to God Revealing Hope is the cry of every newborn baby through the ages. It's no wonder that God uses little children to teach us to hope. You see, the imagination of children isn't dull like ours. Children are a heritage from the Lord, the Bible says, because each child carries the hope of tomorrow. C.S. Lewis, referring to imagination, listen to what he says. He says, the child enjoys his cold meat, otherwise dull to him by pretending that it's a buffalo just killed by his own bow and arrow, and the child is wise. The real meat comes back to him more savory for having been dipped in a story by putting bread, gold, horse, apple, or the very roads into a myth. We do not retreat from reality. We rediscover it. And so we, immore, we immerse ourselves in a story tonight, a story of a bright spot in a dark time, the birth of a little baby, a baby named Samson. Now, growing up, Samson was one of my favorite heroes. And then I got old and realized he was no hero at all. But what does Samson have to do with Jesus? Well, that's what I want to teach you tonight. Begin re reading with me in chapter 13. The first, we'll read the first five verses first. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zerah the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren, and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful. Drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. What does Samson have to do with Jesus? The word of the Lord is a bright light in darkness. You see, Jesus came just as Samson, just as uh, Manoah and his wife were here in the middle of darkness. So Jesus came as a light into the darkness. He came as we sing this time of the year as the word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. But let's keep reading. Verse 6, then the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine and strong drink and eat nothing unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again and to us and teach us what we're to do with this child who will be born. Look at verse 9. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. From here we learn God tunes his ear to our desires. And through Jesus, we understand that our greatest desire was Him, even if we're here tonight and we might not realize it. The greatest joy of your desiring is a baby born in a manger, whom we call Christ the Lord. But let's keep reading. Look at verse 11. Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Interesting. And Manoah said, now when your words come true, look at this. What is to be the child's manner of life? And what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, or let any unclean thing, all that I have commanded you, observe. From this we learn God guides, and He gives a mission. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Let's keep reading. Verse 15, Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. Angelos Kyrios. Here he is again. 
And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, look at this question, church. What is your name? So that when your words come true, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask me my name? Seeing that it is wonderful. So Manoah took the young goat and the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up into the flame of the altar. Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord appeared to no more to Manoah and to his wife than Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering or a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all these things, or now announced to us such things as these." From this we learn that God is holy, approachable. God is holy, but yet He is able to be approached by us. Christmas time is about the holy God becoming an infant. And while He was in the manger, listen, here's the magic and the beauty of Christmas, if I can use such a word like magic. Use your imagination. You know that I don't mean magic. I mean reality. Here's the beauty of Christmas. While Jesus was in the manger, He was upholding the universe by the word of His power. He is holy and approachable. And we know this because of Christmas. Two more verses. Verse 24, and the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtaol. From here we learn God fulfills His Word. And the beauty of Christmas is that every promise of God has found its terminus, has found its completion in Jesus Christ. And in closing, let me prepare you by contrasting these two lives of Jesus and Samson. The story of Samson is a story preparing us for the King of glory. Angels announced both of their births. But to suggest that they're the same is a tremendous dearth. One life was a stepping stone on the path along the way. The other was a cornerstone that puts all other stones in their proper place. One carried hope but for a moment. The other was hope incarnate. Samson is known for his strength. Jesus came saying, blessed are the meek. Samson was a broken man filled with strife, but Jesus shattered death by his indestructible life. Samson broke the vow and cut his hair. Jesus obeyed despite the enemy after him everywhere.
Both were delivered to the enemy. The one was innocent. The other could not see. The shaved head of Samson began to grow again. The empty lungs of Jesus drew breath without a strain. Hope started to grow, though for Samson it wouldn't last. The resurrection of Jesus was the greatest hope ever amassed. You see, the story of Samson, Samson died defeated and alone, but Jesus' death was a triumph for his own. And we know that all because of Christmas. So as you light your candles this evening, remember the greatest light shines in each heart. Remember our reason for celebrating. Remember Jesus.